Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your time. We're in this game. An impossible goal. These guys are good. Scary good. And this crowd is going bananas. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to season two of Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff, and joining me for the season is my friend and colleague and one of the sharpest NHL handicappers you'll find around, especially if you're in Western Canada, Nick Martin. Nick, pumped for the season? Very pumped. Can't wait to get going. I I think this uh, season we should have a lot of good storylines, so should be great. Yeah, it feels a little more wide open than things did going into last year. I think the the floor of the league is still pretty low, but there are less teams there, if that makes sense. So it should make for better betting opportunities. Uh, last season was the squarest in the NHL and in the Action Labs database. Uh, we saw favorites and overs just clip at, at an absurd rate. Uh, so maybe we see a little bit of a correction there. But for this episode, we're just going to be talking about our favorite team level futures. This is our first season preview pod. Uh, you can hear us again on, uh, excuse me, on Wednesday, uh, talking to Pete Jensen of the NHL Fantasy on Ice pod, where we talk about our favorite NHL season-long awards bets, uh, Hart Trophy, Vesna, our personal favorite, Jack Adams. And then uh, next week, we will be back for two more preview pods, 32-team deep dive. We'll, we'll talk a couple minutes on each team, play on, play against, what, what our thoughts are going into the year from the Coyotes to the Canucks and everyone in between. Um, those will be split into two different pods, a Western conference and an Eastern conference. And then the game start uh, October 7th, Friday, October 7th, uh, an, an afternoon game in Prague uh, between the sharks and predators. And then the quote unquote real opening days, October 11th. It's a Tuesday night. And that's when we'll be back on our normal Tuesday, Thursday morning cadence. And we'll take you through the entire season, trying to handicap the chaotic sport that is the NHL, but we'll start with a blank slate. And we'll start with our favorite future. So, Nick, I'm going to just turn it over right to you. If you had to bet one team right now to win the Stanley Cup, who would it be? If I had to bet one team right now, I think just based off price, I would go with the Flames. Uh, Just because the upside is there. And I think outside of kind of some of the chalkier ones, they're definitely a team that I could see being better than what they were last year, which was already really strong. And uh, yeah, I think there's value there at, at 18 to one. Yeah. I like the flames. If I was betting at the top, uh, the one team that I would, if I can only pick one, that'd be the Washington capitals. That's your team. You're a capitals fan. Last year, the capitals kind of just coasted their way into the playoffs. Like everybody else in the East, the Eastern conference playoff picture was basically set around the holidays. Uh, so there's never any, real impetus uh, for the Capitals to charge up the standings or there was no team nipping at their heels. The Islanders cut it to like nine points at one point in March. And that was as close as they got. So it was just a weird season. And then they got to the playoffs and they showed that they're just going to be a tough out. Peter Laviolette is good at doing that with teams. He's a coach who, who, who gets his teams playing a good structured layered defense. Uh, and they did all this. They finished uh, 11th in goals against 10th in expected goals against the 12th in high danger chances allowed at five on five. They did all this despite inconsistent goaltending. I don't want to say bad because I don't think it was, you know, this. we're not talking like bottom of the bin goaltending from Vanacek and Samsonov, but they upgraded. Darcy Kemper was really, really good during the regular season last year. I think a lot of people 
are putting way too much stock into what they saw out of him in the playoffs when he got hurt and just kind of had a, a weird, some weird form. But they also added some some interesting pieces to that top six with with Dylan Strom and Connor Brown. They've got a couple young players, Hendricks Lapierre and uh, Connor McMichael, who can make a difference. Anthony Mantha should be healthy. When he came into the lineup, they became a better team. And the top of the roster is still good. If Getty Kuznetsov had a good bounce back season last year, we know Ovechkin. I mean, he scored 50 as a 36 year old last year. He's he's absurd. So they just tick every box and they're 40 to one. This is a team that rarely flies under the radar going into the year because they've just been so good for so long. 14 out of the last 16 seasons, they finished first or second in their division. And now you're going to get them at 40 to one. I think the East is wide open. It's almost like when you're handicapping a tennis tournament or March Madness or the World Cup, like there's always that group of death and like the, the Metro and the Eastern Conference feel like that, where all these teams are just beat up on each other all season and then into the playoffs. And I can easily see a world where the Capitals are the last team standing just because of how kind of steady they are. Uh, so I like 40 to one on Washington. Any thoughts on your caps? For sure. Yeah. I think there are a lot of positives heading into this year. Like as a fan, that series versus Florida really hurt because there's just so many games and moments where you're just watching like, how did this just happen? And they should, they should have won the series or sh- whatever, at least, you know, it just, it was a tough one to take, but there were so many positives to build on. I think the defense core they're you know, they're really good at driving play up the ice. And I think the defense core altogether is, is pretty underrated and there's a pretty good chance that they can be as strong as they were last year, this season especially if some of the guys, maybe Martin Ferrari has a bigger season. I think there are a lot of pros not to try and be too much of a homer, but you know, and if Darcy Kempner comes in and plays like a true number one, that's obviously going to be a, a big boost. Cause yeah, like you said, they had middling goaltending at best. So if Kemper comes in and makes a, a big difference on that front. And then the other thing is, you know, it's unclear what's going to happen with Nick Backstrom, but Dylan Strom, is quite likely to give more than they got from Backstrom last year, who was really, really ailing. Maybe there's some configuration where it sounds it sounds like Backstrom's last hip surgery is helping. There's a possibility maybe down the stretch he gets in and is a difference maker. And then if, if you have him rolling and Strom making a difference, suddenly the top three centers look a lot deeper again. So I think there is there's a lot of upside for sure. A couple other Stanley Cup futures I am interested in. I, I... I'm a sucker for this team. Uh, the St. Louis Blues are 40 to 1 as well. They lost David Perron, but I'm not too concerned about the forward group being much worse because they're still so deep, right? Bushnevich, Pavel Bushnevich was a revelation last year. Uh, Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrou were as well, and they're both just entering their prime. Bushnevich is squarely in the middle of his. Uh, they, they have a great two way center in, in Ryan O'Reilly. Braden Shen uh, is continuing to be a, a really reliable NHL producer. The defense, I like the group overall. It's maybe a little thin, but this is a 40 to one team for a reason. And it's really a bet on Jordan Bennington. Everyone seems to have soured on him. I get it because he had his, he did struggle last regular season, but uh, I think it was just like you know, it could have been a confluence of circumstances with losing his job to Huso. He's he's such a mercurial guy and he's a such a polarizing player that I could just see him now that he's going to, he knows he's going to be playing 50 games at least getting back into form. He was good the two previous seasons before that. Obviously he had that historic run in the playoff uh, the year that they won the Stanley cup. Uh, So with this forward group, they should be able to outscore their problems and and give Jordan Bennington the runway he needs to, to find his form. So I like the blues at 40 to one. Another team I'll keep my eye on is the Bruins. Once again, another team I'm I'm a sucker for they're 28 to one right now. They're going to be missing Charlie McAvoy, Brad Marchand, Matt Grizzlick, 
I believe Mike Riley as well, out of the gate to start the season. That's your number one defenseman, your best winger, and a number two or three defenseman. That's not good. They're also breaking in a new coach, Jim Montgomery, for the first time in a long time. And there's you could still ask questions of the goaltending tandem of Jeremy Swayman and, and Linus Allmark. All that sounds like I'm making an argument against the Bruins, but my point is it's going to probably take some time for this team to find its form. And if they're 28 to one right now, we could be looking at them if they get off to like even a middling start at like 40 to one in a couple of weeks into the season. So it's just a team to have circled. I think that the Bruins, even a 28 to one right now are not a bad bet. If once they get these guys going, um, they're going to probably be one of the best five on five teams in the league. They've been one of the best defensive teams in the NHL for six or seven seasons now. So I'm not too worried about the coaching change, just ruining that. Uh, and, and you got, uh, hopefully a coach that lets them breathe a little bit uh, more in the offensive zone. So I like the Bruins. And then the last one I'll mention, and it's a homer pick is the Islanders at 40 to one. They're, I would say like the most polarizing team in the betting market going into the year. You have a lot of people who are backing them to have a bounce back year uh, based on what they saw out of the team, the two previous or three previous seasons to last when they, everything went wrong. It was a Murphy's law season. They didn't play well, but they did deal with a ton of off ice stuff. They have the goaltending. Their defense core is really good, and they're they have enough depth at up forward. So if Matt Barzell can become a legitimate number one center and, and put put become a star, maybe have a star turn season, they'll be dangerous. Um, and just remember, like this team was around like eighteen to one going into last year. The roster just has not changed enough. The coach has, of course, which is another problem entirely. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of people on both sides of that camp. Some that think the Islanders the, the window is completely shut. And some that think that this team will bounce back and that's putting a little bit of value on them. Uh, 40 to one on a team that, like I said, was 18 to one uh, last year and was a trendy, very trendy Stanley cup pick, which is really still strange for me as an Islander fan when people were picking them to win this cup. So uh, they're back in their natural state of, of having a chip on their shoulder. So the Isles, the blues, the Bruins and the caps, those are the four teams I've circled. I kind of like the flames as well. Any other teams you want to get into? I'm not entirely sure if I, I want to get into it and bear the brunt of uh you know what I think you're usually getting into with this team, but I, I think I'm one of the few people who actually like the Leafs at plus 1000 to win the cup. I think they just have so much upside. I know the huge knock against that pick is going to be that if the goaltenders end up being a disaster, you're going to find a way bigger number really quick. I think the, the opposite end of that spectrum though, is they're going to start really real, really solid a lot of the time. And you might not even see 10 to one. And as much as people hate them, they want to talk about the, the prior failures. I really think the core that they have is on par with any of the top teams in the league. So I think getting them at 10 to 1 uh, to start the season is still a strong play. Uh, enough so that I'm, I'm willing to wear the hate if it's uh, <laughs> come out of the gate struggling, because I know people would love to, to get on me for that. As I saw last year, I, I put a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of speak into thinking that last year could be the year and that they're actually legitimate. And I'm going to stand by that. I thought their playoff was really impressive. And a lot of the time they could have ended up with a better result against Tampa. Maybe they don't play Tampa in round one. They probably win two rounds. I think a lot of the time. So I'm going to stick by the Leafs. Yeah. I mean, this is the the funny thing about Toronto is like, I'll, I'll catch a lot of hate for, being anti-Toronto. And, and as a fan, I am like, I'll, I'll be honest, like John, what John Tavares did ruined the Leafs and the fact that just the way they're covered in the media, like it's, it's not hard to hate them for, for me, but uh, from a betting standpoint, I just find them to be so overvalued because I think that this season 
probably compared to last year and, and especially the season before last, the margin for error is just so much thinner uh, for, for the Leafs. The two seasons ago, they were in that division where they could have, if they wanted to rest it, played 41 games of, of Marner and Matthews or half a season, whatever it was, 28 that season would have been. Uh, and they still would have won, won that division going away because of the competition that was in there. Then last season, like I was saying with the Capitals, the playoff race was just settled. So they were basically in this weird kind of pace yourself mode for three quarters of the season where the thing that really mattered the most to them was trying to win the division, but the Panthers kind of had that wrapped up as well. And so the thing that mattered the most was really like Austin Matthews's goal record. And so without the competition, there was just really no, there was a wide margin for error is what I'm trying to say. And, and this year with teams like Boston, Tampa and Florida still there, I think all four of the teams at the top of the Atlantic either went lateral or took a step back, but two teams that definitely took a significant step forward are Detroit and Ottawa. So there's just not going to be as many free points against those teams. Then you have Buffalo who they didn't, they're not going to be a playoff team, but they also got better. And I think Montreal got better. So the division itself is going to be better right away. That, that just kind of shrinks your margin for error. And then you got the Leafs there up against the cap because of the way they've structured their roster around their four big players. Uh, so you're looking already with them having injuries to Timothy Lilligren and Jake Muzzin and the Rasmus Sandin holdout, Victor Mete and Jordy Ben already starting. Like they could be opening night players. And then you got the goaltending, which, uh, you know, sure, if you're listening to this show, you've heard all about with, with Murray and Samsonov that can go one of a million different ways. So I just think that there's enough, uh, there are enough knocks to that this team should be longer. I think every team in the East, you know, if you're looking at like true fair odds, I think every there should be no team in the Eastern Conference that should be like 15 to one or shorter. Yeah, I think I see I see the line of thinking there. I personally, I'm going to trust it. I think they're coming out. They got those top gunners that are better than everyone else's guys, like Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Tavares has dropped off, but still. Sure. And I just think for all the talk, I have a feeling it's just going to come out where they, they play really well and the number doesn't really get much longer. And personally, the other thing that I don't mind, I've seen firsthand a lot, Samsonov can be really good. Yep. So he could be a really reasonable backup option. And then the other note that I I think is kind of obvious to say, but we saw last year, their goaltending situation got really, really ugly. And everyone loved to point it out at the time. And now they ship Campbell off to Edmonton. And it, and it seems like a lot of those people are now backing him like he's some sort of, you know, top yep. player. And I just, I think there is the upside, but I can see the narrative where it's a disaster and this ends up being a bad pick, but, but yeah, personally, I think 10 to one is going to be reasonable. I think they're one of the teams that's locked in to be a top team this season. The Oilers and the, the Campbell thing, I think you're right. Like that's a great point is the way that that situation bared out with Campbell being great in the first couple months of the season, terrible in the middle part. And then he played pretty well in, in the playoffs as well. He definitely wasn't the reason they lost to the lightning in that, that close seven game series. He's probably a, slightly above average goaltender in his best season. And he's probably like a slightly below average goaltender in his worst season. That said, I think the way I would look at it, and I like to do this with, with the the team, like the Leafs, you can do it with a lot of big market teams in in other sports as well as had a smaller market team. So so when the Ottawa senators signed Matt Murray or traded for Matt Murray from the penguins, it was lampooned when the, the Sabres tried to trade for Matt Murray and then Murray vetoed it everyone made fun of the Sabres for even trying to do it. And then when the Leafs did it, it, it the, the narrative kind of swayed to like, oh, I can kind of see this working. I think Samsonov ends up playing more 
he's just got the off ice stuff. I mean, it's a stay away team for me. It's a team I, I'll, I'll probably be betting against. I think that they're just typically because of their stature. Um, you're always playing sort of a leaf tax. The Oilers are another team too. Like that. It's not that I'm selling them. I just don't think that they are worth a bet at this number. I think you'll probably be able to keep this number of stick, stick around. Whereas the flames, uh, you know, you can naturally put those two teams together because of the battle of Alberta. While the Oilers kind of tick most boxes, the flames tick every box that you want in a uh, Stanley cup contender. So if you're looking for a team below 20 to one with a more reasonable chance than uh, the 40 to ones I was, I was talking about, I think the flames are definitely the one uh, to target. Let's move to over-unders now. Uh, this is a team we're going to talk about a lot, I think, throughout the season and on the show. And it's unfortunately because I think <laughs> I'm going to be betting them a lot because they're terrible. Uh, it's the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, they're over-under is 73 and a half. They had 61 points last season, and I think they're worse. I don't know who's betting the over 73 and a half on this team. I don't think there's many. I think there's a lot of flaws. And obviously the news about Couturier, who's going to, he would have been their top line center. And is a huge piece. He's going to miss a notable amount of time. And it sounds like Ryan Ellis isn't going to play at all this season, which leaves a really thin unit uh, behind. It's it's a pretty bad looking Flyers team, especially with the division. If the Devils are better, the Islanders are better, they're going to be fighting hard to get to that point total. So, yeah, completely with you on this one. Like I said, we'll talk about the Flyers a, a little bit later in the show as well. It sucks betting an under on a Tortorella team because there's no hiding on a Tortorella team. You can't coast you you can't take two weeks off like if you're going down that western canadian swing or the southeast swing in the united states like you're not gonna he's gonna eat you alive if you take a game off so just through that effort like the the floor is a little bit higher than it would be if if we had a different coach here i think uh but still that number is i mean it's 73 and a half which is low but that's 12 13 points higher uh they would need to be than they were last year and i think they're actually significantly worse another one i want to talk about are the Florida Panthers. This is another team we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit more. There's just too many question marks. I think that this team is being priced like they're uh, like the team that we saw last season, uh, or a team that should make a natural progression from the team that we saw last season. I don't think it's going to be all that linear with this side. We have a NHL awards betting preview show coming out on, on, on Wednesday where we talk about Vezina Trophy, and, and I actually like Spencer Knight in that market because I think if the Panthers do get to this point total which i think is way too high knight would have to have a, a great great season so if you do want to invest in the panthers i think that's one way to do it but the the defense is worse without mackenzie Weger. who knows with the goaltending and they have to adjust to a new coach paul maurice who i think is a fine nhl coach but he's not going to be uh the, the type of guy i think that can just take a team like this which which has plenty of talent uh, and creative players and and turn it and, and unlock it is what i'm trying to say for sure. And I think, yeah, to like their defense looks really suspect. Like, I think it's without last season, it, it we're probably even calling attention to it a little more. And then another flaw for them this year is going to be, it could be hard to replace any bodies they need because they're, they've given up all their first round picks for the next couple of years. They've given up a ton of assets. So, you know, if some of this stuff doesn't pan out that they need to, it's going to be hard to bring in replacements or a lot harder than, than, you know, you'd like. And especially for some of these competing teams, we know they're going to be able to work hard to bring these guys in, whereas the Panthers aren't going to literally match any of these offers with, with no firsts moving forward. We talked about, I talked about the Capitals a little bit or a lot uh, as a Stanley Cup play. You like the over here and you have a couple other ones uh, you want to discuss. Yeah, I like the over on the Caps at 94 and a half. 
this team has just been so consistent in the regular season. The veterans are, are really good at coming out of the gates, getting a good start. They've had good starts very consistently over the last five years uh, and every year under Laviolette, which is obviously a huge part of making the postseason and uh, and beating this number, which this is, I'd rather play this to make playoffs is, is minus 150. I'd much rather play this number at close to two to one than that. And I, I just think it's really likely with Kemper coming in, going to provide more such steady goaltending. The decor is still going to be solid. I think that this is a really good play on the over. Yeah, I think so too. I think if it depends on how you want to attack the Capitals, whether it's the Stanley Cup market overs, like it's just a team that you sh- you should invest in because the rest of the world just seems to have forgotten about them a little bit, like to moved on. And everyone seems to agree this this team's too old. Like without considering the fact that they kind of got younger <laughs> in the yeah, offseason. Like I think their floor is is a lot better than people are saying. It's it's hard for me to see them being bad. Obviously, I'm very favorable to them. But at the same time, I've seen it year in and year out. They come in really prepared and, and have a really consistent work rate. And I think, at least with regards to the regular season, I feel pretty confident that we can trust, you know, they're going to play up to expectations. And, and I think they'll be a playoff team again with, with pretty level of confidence. And, and to kind of marry this point with a team that I like to under on, which is the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're, they're one what. The Capitals are 94 and a half. The Penguins are 101 and a half. I think that the Capitals might be better than Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's half the cup odds, uh, seven points higher in the over under market. I say this every season and I end up paying for it, which is the Penguins, I think are, are not a bad bet to miss the playoffs. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but at some point, like my, and Mike Sullivan's such a good coach and that's part of the problem with this bet and why I hate it. But I hate making it, but at some point, like he's just not going to be able to work his magic when Crosby and Malkin and, and Latang are out of the lineup. Cause they, they just are going to be like, you can feel pretty confident now that you're not going to get 80 games out of those three players. Jake Gensel is a great player behind them, but then after that, the drop off is, is pretty significant. So this is an old team, the goaltending. I still have question marks with Tristan Jarry. I know he was really good in the regular season. Uh, last year, but he was really bad in the regular season before that. Casey DeSmith, he's your run-of-the-mill NHL backup. I, you, he'll be good one night, he'll be bad the next. So I just, there's too many ways, there's too many paths to failure with this over-under. So I like the Penguins under 101 and a half. That will probably be my last total. What do you have left? I would have the Bruins over 95 and a half. If you uh, wanted another one to play, I think that's really reasonable. I know you're high on the Bruins as well. They're going to be fighting through those injuries early on in the year. So I think if you did, you know, I could see the logic if you were someone who liked the Bruins and felt like maybe you wanted to wait and consider a cup future later on in the year. But I think 95 and a half is just a little too low for how many things we know about that team are still going to be really solid. They have such a strong core of veterans who are just elite players in this league. They're still going to have a really good goaltender and Swayman, a good duo all together, which should help rack up some points. And then, yeah, I think if Florida take a step back as well, like I'm expecting that that's going to help them to an extent. So I think over 95 and a half is a pretty safe bet for the Bruins. All right. Uh, we'll talk about some make miss the playoff. The Nashville Predators, I've seen a couple of people really high on them going into the year. I disagree. I think that everything went right for this team last year. They had a generational season out of a defenseman and Roman Yossi who put up the most points we've seen from the position in 30 years. Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, 
both had resurgent renaissance years at like age 30 or so. Philip Forsberg had a career year. Usaros, who I think is one of the best goalies in the league, he was uh, splendid. So, so much went right for the Predators and they barely got into the playoffs. They were the last team in. Of course, they got swept and part of that is because Saros was hurt for the entire series against the Avalanche. A couple of things didn't go their way last year. The Predators are on the outside looking in. And the division, I think, is is tough. Like, it's it's not top-heavy. The Avalanche are the class of the division. And then I think you can really make a case that the next three or four teams, Minnesota, St. Louis, uh, Dallas, Nashville, I mean, if you want to throw Winnipeg in there, you can. It's going to be a, a real race for between those five teams to finish in the next two spots. And I can easily see a world where the Predators struggle and don't don't get the seasons out of Duchesne and Johansson that they do last year. Yossi takes a step back, which isn't to say he's going to be bad, but just is like 80 points rather than 98 or whatever. And that means that they miss. So I think that Nashville is a team that I'll probably be fading. Plus 170 to miss the playoffs, I think is a pretty good number. And the other team, we both like this one, the Panthers 6-1. to one, But I'll let you set that one up. Yeah, so the Panthers, obviously, they're you know, there's a lot of positives heading in. They've got some of the top-end talents, but... I think the floor is a lot lower than people might expect. And plus 600 is just a little too long, especially with Detroit and Ottawa. They're both going to push hard for playoff spots out of that in that division this season. And I think it's realistic that we see Florida take a big step back. Uh, we don't know for sure what we're going to see out of Sergei Bobrovsky. The defense looks really suspect back there with Mackenzie Weger gone. He was tremendous for Florida last year. I think a lot of people didn't really realize how important he was to that team. And there really isn't, you know, obvious viable options for who's going to replace those minutes. And especially if we see, you know, some of these guys get injured, I think the depth is worse than people are thinking as well. So to me, it just seems like a way easier path than 600 and plus 600 that this team could miss the postseason and be a notable disappointment. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. I think uh, if the the Red Wings or the Senators truly have aspirations of, of making the playoffs the most likely team that does come down from that that foursome at the top of the Atlantic would be Florida. So six to one is a, is a really good number. Uh, we'll stay with the the negative tone here and we'll, we'll talk about our last market uh, for this show, which is the team to finish with the worst regular season record, aka the, the, the wooden spoon, as they would call it in, in uh, Europe and, and Australia. My pick for the wooden spoon is probably the Blackhawks. They're four to one. I think that number is still fine, but we both have settled on another team with with more upside in this market, which is really more downside. Uh, and that's the Philadelphia Flyers. As high as 15 to 1. I always think the Flyers are overrated. I write a 32-team preview every season for the Action Network where I rate the teams from 32nd to 1st in terms of their perception in the market, whether they're, they're overrated or underrated. Last year, I had the Penguins as the most overrated, and that turned out to be a really terrible take. But th- then I had the Flames at uh, near the top, so that one worked out. But the Flyers for me in this, as long as I've been doing this exercise, have always been near the bottom. And they came out of that bubble season with a ridiculous cup odds. And and I know that's an over-under 73 and a half and being 15 to one to finish with the worst record. I'm not saying that those are ridiculous saying that they're good because they're not, but they're still just way too high on this team that it's not just that the roster's thin, but the the surrounding noise with them the fact that the, the the salary cap that they've structured is is kind of one foot in the we want to contend mode and then one foot in the we need to rebuild and tear this thing down mode you can see this thing going sideways not just on the ice but off the ice and them just having one of the worst seasons you'll see from any team in a long long time so 
because everyone is so down on Arizona and because everyone is so down on Chicago, Seattle, and Buffalo, I think you're getting a really good number on the Flyers to be the worst team in the NHL, which they're really not that far off from being. Yeah, I think 15 to 1 for the Flyers and some of the teams they're uh, sitting with longer odds to finish last then is a little ridiculous considering the talent on hand. And they are going to have to be in a, they're in a more competitive division than Chicago and Arizona. And that's going to really make things hard. I think, you know, it's possible with torts, they come in a little more ready to go and have a strong start. But I just think at some point, the lack of talent in that division is just going to be so hard to hide. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, a great play. And like you said, and like I've outlined in, in an article I posted on this, I think a lot of the teams that are being priced in this market with lower odds, like Seattle, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, a couple of them have some legitimate odds to be dead last in this. And I don't think any of those teams are going to be anywhere near the bottom of this race or not as often at the time as uh, Philly. So, yeah, I think we have a really strong play with the Flyers. And then I think the other one, Chicago plus 400. I think it's just an awesome bet too. They're they're so likely to be terrible this year. I think everything everything's working against them. And especially the fact that Davidson is sounding like he really doesn't want to push for the young guys to get big minutes, which I think is kind of one of their bigger paths to having some upside. So I really think they could be quite bad. I'm pretty low on Max Domi and Andreas Athanasiu. They're going to both play top six minutes to start out. And I think they're both going to struggle in those roles. And then if not, they're going to be traded at the deadline and then things are going to likely get even worse. So I think there's a really low floor for the Blackhawks and, and my confidence that they'll be in that mix for dead last is quite high. So I think getting a price of plus 400 is, is quite strong. Yeah. And you, you bring up a good point um, and something that you just want to consider for all your futures, especially when you're looking for teams to bet the unders. Uh, if you think they're going to be a seller at the deadline, that's always helpful. Uh, the Blackhawks, I mean, I don't know how long Patrick Kane is even going to be around. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if the next time you hear from us, uh, you know, for opening night that he's traded. Uh, same with Jonathan Taves, who I don't think is as, you know, much of an impact player anyway. But uh, similarly, I think when you're, they're competing realistically, it's it's the Flyers, the Blackhawks, the Coyotes, the Sabres, um, as like the four teams in my mind that have a, a real shot at the wooden spoon. And when you look at those, the the Sabres and the Coyotes, the young players that they have are going to provide the upside that you mentioned, right? Like like For sure. Clayton Keller and Logan Cooley. Yeah, I actually like the Sabres heading into this year. I'm pretty high on them. Like personally, I don't think they'll be near this race. Maybe I'll, I'll prove to be wrong, but I just think they have too many young talents with too much upside this season. And they, they want to win or maybe don't want to win, but let you know, you know, they're not heading into the year accepting that they're going to just be right in this race, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I, I personally think that's part of the reason we're getting value with these other teams is, is the Sabres are one of the teams that I think are priced a little too low to be in the mix for this race. I, and, and like the Sabres and the Coyotes, I, I said about the Flyers a little bit, like kind of tongue in cheek, but I'm into the Coyotes and I'm into the Sabres is from like a game to game basis. Uh, I think uh, that the Coyotes playing their home games in, at that Arizona state arena, I think it's actually going to help them in those games because uh, the road teams just, you know, NHLs are players are such creatures of habit that adjusting to that is going to take some time. So it's likely that the Coyotes are going to be competing with the Blackhawks to finish last in, in the central. But I just think that you're getting the, you should give the Coyotes a benefit of the doubt with, for having those young players with some upside and some hunger that 
I could see the, the Blackhawks finishing 10 points adrift in that division. Um, and then, you know, going back to the Flyers, it could be even deeper than that. So Flyers, uh, Blackhawks, I don't think you could go wrong with either one of those. For sure. And even, I wouldn't even necessarily say that I think betting the Coyotes are the worst play there. Like ultimately my main confidence in this angle is that there's about those six teams there, the Kraken, the Sabres, the Red Wings, the Senators, whoever else that I don't think are going to end up anywhere near this, which is why I think that some of those favorites there and then the Flyers are just a really strong play. That's how we will wrap up our first episode of the season, handing out a wooden spoon to the Flyers or the Blackhawks. You can catch us on a couple more NHL season preview episodes. Wednesday morning, we talk with Pete Jensen of NHL.com's Fantasy on Ice podcast to go over our favorite awards bets uh, from Hart Trophy, Jack Adams, Vezina, Norris, et cetera. Uh, and then we will be back the following week uh, with the 32-team deep dive split into two podcasts, one for the West, one for the East. And then we're going to get going uh, with those two games in Prague starting Friday, October 7th. But until then, for Nick Martin, I'm Mike Lebo. Thank you for listening to Line Change, and it's good to be back. <laughs>